You're listening to Al Pastor, the show that helps you love God, love your neighbor, and eat more tacos. I'm your host, Pastor Brian. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, hello. I want to welcome you today to the podcast. We're going to be covering Genesis chapter 48. And in studio today, we have... El Taquito. Welcome back to the podcast, El Taquito. Thank you. Um, so we're doing this podcast a little bit late. It's actually Monday, and this we're going to cover our reading for today late into the afternoon. Yes. Have you done your reading? Yes, yes, I have. And did you do a little study? Um, a little bit, yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to go over it. And um, today actually marks the 70th podcast that we have done. Wow. This is podcast number 70, 70. That's awesome. What are you going to do once you hit it 100? I don't know. Maybe we will celebrate a little bit. (laughs) Podcast number 70. (laughs) You and your sound effects. Hey, I had to get a little little sound effect in in there. In fact, I'm, I'm shopping. I'm looking for some better sound effects. That way I can get good at using them. So, all right, well, let's get right into it. Genesis chapter 48. Very, very important um, passage of scripture today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. So here's here's something that's interesting. If you were to summarize Jacob's life in like one sentence, what would it be? And what part of Jacob's life would you use to summarize his his, his whole walk with God? Interesting um, question, huh? Do you have any thoughts? Um, in one sentence, that that's pretty hard, in my opinion. Well, you know what? The author of the book of Hebrews actually does this. In Hebrews chapter 11, um, it talks about Jacob. So Hebrews 11, 21... I want you to go ahead and read that verse, number 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Okay, so here's here's the big deal. This is the New Testament. This is called the Hall of Faith. And so what the author uses to describe Jacob by faith is what we're reading today. Let's read that again. By faith. Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Really, really awesome. So today's reading is very, very important. We're going to see some faith in here. Because if that's what the author of Hebrews was writing about, we need to look for some faith in here. So go ahead and read verse 1 for us in Genesis 48. Now it came to a pass after these things that Joseph was told Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manish and Ephraim. So it's Manasseh and Ephraim. Ephraim in Spanish or Ephraim? (laughs) That's hard. It's a tongue twister, huh? Yeah. Okay. So now with this particular verse, we can make some assumptions here. The first thing that we're going to assume is that this is the end of Jacob's life, right? Why? Because in Hebrews eleven twenty one, it tells us when Jacob was what? Dying. Dying. So this is the end of his life. So he's been in Egypt for 17 years. So in this, we see a little bit of God's grace. 
because there there are some God does God things does things differently with everybody, right? Everything is different. There are some folks that have a feeling they know when they're going to pass, and whatever is going on with Jacob, they know, and this is an opportunity to say, you know what, we need to gather everybody together. So of course Joseph goes. He takes his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Verse two. Go ahead and read it. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. And then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me. I was in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And Okay, so now he's he's starting to um we've got we've got a rapid succession of of events. Now you know that the sometimes the Bible will um take stories, drag them out. But here we just have the process. Joseph comes, he strengthens himself, and then here now we're reading the speech, right? So notice the first thing that Jacob says. God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Do you know what that is and where that's at? Do you remember? Um, It was in our reading like a week ago or so. Okay. Do you know what Luz is? Beersheba? No, no, it's not Beersheba. Now, this one is a little bit difficult, but Luz is actually the former name of Bethel. So when Jacob had his encounter with God at Bethel, the place was renamed Bethel, but it was named Luz. That's the formal name. So that's what he's talking about. Now, also notice in verse 3 that Jacob refers to God by the name God Almighty. That's very, very significant. This is the word El Shaddai, which is uh, God God has different names that he goes by, but these are more like titles or descriptions or characteristics. So the primary way that, that Jacob knows God is by God Almighty. When we get into Exodus, he's going to reveal to Moses the ultimate name, I am who I am. And he's going to say to Moses, he's going to say, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as God Almighty. You tell them I am who I am. So this is good. So let's go on. What did he, he's recounting the story. Now go to verse four. And he said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. And I'll make you of a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting position. Okay. So he is repeating the promise. The promise involves both descendants, we would say the seed, and what's the other part of the promise? To to have many descendants. Okay. But what else? That's that's part of the seed. What's the last half of the verse? And give this land to your descendants mm-hmm. after you as an everlasting possession. Okay, so here's the point. The promise involves the seed and the land. These are two promises. So okay. Goshen? No, the land is Israel. The land is what he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not in the land right now. He's outside of the land. Now, the reason that the author of Hebrews is showing that this is the incident of faith that is the culmination or the totality of of Jacob's life 
is because he's not in the land. He's outside of the land and he's about to die. And you know what he's talking about? What? The promise. He's saying, God promised this to me. This is faith, Noah. This is faith. He has his, he has some descendants, but he has not seen with his own eyes the magnitude of the promise that God's given to him. Because look at look again at verse four. He says, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and make you a multitude of people. Is he a multitude of people yet? Mm-hmm. By his standards? No. He's not. He's got a big family, right? I mean, that's a big family. He's got 70 folks that came in. But you the word for multitude is a big number. So wrap your head around this. He has not seen with his eyes the fulfillment of the promise, and he's not even in the land, and he's about to die outside of the land. And what's he talking about? The promise, right? Here's a verse. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Read that for us. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is a definition of what we're reading right now is faith. Okay. So, verse 5, and he says, And now your two sons, uh, Eph- uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. I know, I was thinking in Spanish. I'm like, e- Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt. Notice what he says. What's, are mine he as says, Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Ah. So why is he saying Reuben and Simeon? Because, because, because they're the two oldest Okay, so he well, here's what he's saying. He says, these two boys are mine. This is him adopting Joseph's sons for the purpose of inheritance. So what he is doing is he is giving Joseph a double portion. He's giving him the inheritance of the firstborn. That's what he's doing. And he's saying, your two children are going to receive a double portion. But not only that, they're mine on this day. I'm adopting them. And... They are going to have equal rights, just like Reuben and Simeon. So, so, so pretty much they're, so they're they're like equal with Reuben and Simeon. In yeah, sense. yeah. I mean, these are the Reuben and Simeon are the uncles of uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, but now they're going to be in the status as Same it, level. yeah, of inheritance. So he says, your offspring whom you beget after them shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. So it's just these two. He says, but as for me, when I came to Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way. When there was a little distance to go to Ephrath, I buried her there on the way to uh, Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. Verse 8, then Israel saw Joseph's sons, and he said, who are these? And then Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. Now, um, sometimes people get hung up on this because I told you, how long has Joseph been in the land? Or I mean, how long has Jacob been in Egypt now? 17 years. 17 years. Do you think this is the first time he's meeting his two grandsons? 
possibly? Well, it's is it possible? Sure. But is it likely? No. No. So he's not saying, who are these? We have two answers to this. Either his eyesight is so dim that he can't make, like, he can see fuzzy, and he's not able to discern who those two guys are standing in the background. But there are several different commentators that say that what, what Jacob is doing is entering into the formality of the adoption process. And this was a custom, this was part of the ceremonial part of adoption. So in a wedding, you have a father that walks his bride, uh, his daughter down the aisle. They stop. And you know what I ask at that moment? I say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? Now, the guy standing right in front of me, I obviously know who's going to be, who it is, right? Mm -hmm. But this is part of the formal process of the ceremony that is about to take place. In adoption, it's believed that you would say, and who are these? Obviously, he knows who they are, but they would say, they would do, these are my sons who God has given me. It's a presentation. So is he literally adopting them? He is in this sense. He's literally adopting them so that he can pass on the inheritance as if they were born to him. So 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 after so like tomorrow's reading for example would that mean would, uh, like in tomorrow's reading would he be like their father? It is. Yes. It does. Yes. But Joseph's still the father. Yeah. But yes. But again, just think of it. This is it's not like a loophole or nothing like that. This is just for the purpose of the blessing because he's giving them inheritance, okay? And in fact, if you remember, I've said this before, there is no tribe of Joseph. It is the tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim. It, it, it doesn't it talk doesn't it talk about it tomorrow? Yes, we'll get into that. <clears throat> we will get into that. Okay, so now it says, verse 10, Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Now the reason that it's doing this is, be, the reason it's telling this, two different things that we can look interpretively, okay? So I want you to know, Noah, that you can, you can go either way on this. But interpretively, you could say, well, that's the reason he didn't know and he asked, who are these? But the reason that it's saying that it, he could not see is for what we're going to see right now. He's going to put, he's going to put his, cross his hands, Right. And Joseph's like, no, 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 Dad, you've got the wrong, you're, you're doing it the wrong way. And, and, and Jacob's like, I know what I'm doing, right? Okay, so this is, this is part of it. So it says, now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them, and he embraced them. Go ahead and read verse 11. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. Okay, so this is, in this statement, God has also shown me your offspring. This is him speaking. You can take this two ways, interpretively. And I'm walking you through this, Noah, and everybody that's listening as well. Again, is this a question like, oh, the God, God is so gracious, he's showing me your two boys and I haven't seen them in however long, 17 years, because these boys are around that age or older. Or is he saying, God has shown me your offspring in the sense of, I'm about to tell you what God has in store for you through a prophetic word. God has shown me your offspring. 
most likely that's the that's the sense and also literally god has been gracious to me because now they're standing in front of me and they get to be here when i die as well does that make sense yeah so two two we we have two layers of this okay go ahead and read verse 12 so joseph brought them beside beside his knees and he bowed down with his face to the earth okay so let's think about that what is Joseph doing in Egypt right now? He is he is like selling the food. But what's his title? What's his position? Ambassador? No. It's not official, but what's his rank in Egypt? Pharaoh? He's 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 the right hand of Pharaoh. It's as if he is Pharaoh. And so you you see his high status here, and now we have we see the humbleness of Joseph bowing down to his father. This is this is really commendable. It is respectful. Okay, verse 13. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and, and brought them near him. Okay, verse 14. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's Head, guarding his hands knowingly from 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 Manasseh was the firstborn, and he. Okay, let's stop there. What does it say? He guided his hands. What? Knowingly. So does that mean he knew what he was doing? Yes, it's like he was being intentional. So is it because his eyesight was dim, or is he doing something now under the inspiration of God? Under the inspiration of God. Exactly. That's exactly, he's doing it knowingly. He knows what he's doing. And verse 15, and he blessed Joseph and he said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has what? Fed me. All my life long to this day. That word fed me right there. No, I have it. You see how I have it highlighted? Uh-huh. This is the first mention of this phrase and this concept, this is actually brought out by Morris in the Genesis record. The word means that he shepherded me all my life, meaning God's been faithful. You know that one song, The Goodness of God, like all my life you've been faithful. You have been so, so good. Probably one of those old songs. It's know. not an old song. You know that song. It's called The Goodness of God. If I played it, you would know it. It's just I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not good with the names of songs. Neither am I. I can't tell you. I can just tell you some of the lyrics. But this is a good song. It's called The Goodness of God. But this is what he's doing. He's testifying. So the God who has shepherded me all my life long to this day. And then now notice verse 16. Read that first line. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Ah, this is super interesting. Sometimes people get hung up on this. Because he says, the angel... Notice it's the angel who has done what? Redeemed. How can an angel redeem someone? Did you know only God in this sense can redeem someone from evil? So what is he saying there? Do you know who the angel is? God. It's Jesus. That's the reference. He, wait. Yeah, isn't it Jacob who wrestles with Jesus, the angel? Mm-hmm. That's his reference. He says the angel... But he doesn't know it's Jesus. 
but it was Jesus in angelic form. Now, Jesus is not an angel, but he can take on the form of an angel. Jesus is God in the flesh. So he says, the angel who has redeemed me. So he's giving credit to God and to Jesus. And he's asking the angel who has redeemed me from, a, from evil to bless the lads. He says, bless them. Like, I, I'm not trying to read too much into this, but, but you know what he's saying? He's laying hands on them, and he's saying, in Jesus' name, bless them. Because <laughs> he says, look, to the angel who has redeemed me, bless them. In the name of Jesus. Exactly. And then he says, let my name, let my, let my name be named upon them. Do you know what that means? Oh, no. Let my name, let my reputation, my character, that's what the name is. Let my name like you you have a name you are known for something let my name be named upon them and what name is he referring to Israel not Jacob Israel correct and then he says in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth go ahead and read verse 17 now now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim it displeased him so he took hold of his father's hand to remove from Ephraim's hand to Manasseh's head. Okay, and then verse 18, And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Now, what's Joseph doing? Joseph is assuming that his dad wants to fall, follow the law of what's known as the primogeniture. And, and and Joseph is also assuming that 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 it was it was by a mistake or something. It is. Maybe he's chalking it up. His eyesight's dim, and maybe he just doesn't know. And then now notice verse nineteen. Go ahead and read it for us. But his father refused and said, "I know, my son. I know." <laughs> so what do you think that means? He's like, "I know what I'm doing. Exactly. Don't mess with me." Exactly. Now he gives a prophetic word. Go ahead and read the rest of nineteen. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brothers shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. Mm, that's, gonna, that's awesome. Okay, verse 20. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh. And thus... He said Ephraim behind before Manasseh. Okay, verse 21, I'll read it. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your father. So notice now, uh, Israel already made Joseph swear that they will bury him in the land of Israel. Now Israel is saying to Joseph, God's also, not, not only am I not going to be buried here, but you too. You are also going to be buried in the land of your fathers. What about his other sons? They all will. So, so all his. Well, no, I, I, I don't actually. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I don't know. But for Joseph, it's it, we know. We know now. The reason that we know is because well, the reason we know is because the Bible tells us that Jacob was buried. They went back and buried him. Jacob is a representation of the nation. Now he's passing on to Joseph 
the right of the firstborn. Now Joseph is a representation of the nation, and then that name will be carried on to Ephraim and Manasseh, right? But in, in particular, it's going to be Ephraim. So now, verse 22, moreover, I have given you one portion above your brothers. Which I took from the land of the Amorite with my sword and bow and okay. my bow. Now this word portion, he says, I have given you one. You know what this word is for portion? I'm going to pull it up. Bible word Blessing. study. Here's the word right here. And let's let's play it. <laughs> What's it do you, can you tell what it means? It's the word Shechem. You know the first piece of property that he purchased when he came into the land? Oh, no. Was a place at Shechem. He came in and bought a piece of property. Do you know where Joseph's going to be buried at? Shechem. In Shechem. There you... How'd you, how'd you figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where Joseph's going to be buried at. Just guessed. You just guessed, huh? Yes. So it's a really a beautiful, beautiful little picture here. Now, this whole thing about, see how I have this highlighted gray? He says, which I took by the hand of the Amorite and with my sword and my bow. We don't know of this incident. There's it doesn't talk about him conquering any land with with force or anything. That is correct. But so we, we don't have any info on this. So I'm going to show you here. Um, so here's the Faith Life Bible study. The Hebrew word used here is Shechem. It is identical to the Hebrew name for the location of Shechem. Jacob purchased the land at Shechem, and Joseph was later buried there. See? And and it's the same place where Joseph's son conquers the land because of their sister Dina. Well, that's the well, here's the here, listen to this. It says this probably does not re it is the same place, but I we don't believe that this is the same incident. It's the same place, but not the no, same time. Yeah, what I'm saying is it's like, it's, it's like, it's like, it doesn't talk about Jacob conquering the land. It, just, it talks about his sons, Correct. part of his sons taking over after the incident with their sister. Correct. So look, look, look what the faith life says. This probably does not refer back to the massacre of Shechem, what you just referred to, or Jacob's purchase of the land at Shechem, but to another incident in Jacob's lifetime that is not recorded in Genesis. Jacob did not participate in the massacre at Shechem, but instead he condemned it. He didn't, he didn't want any part of that at all. Exactly. So, and that's okay. We might we don't have the details, and because the Bible is divinely inspired, written by God, right, the Holy Spirit. If he didn't want us to know the incident, we don't know. But there was uh, apparently there's an incident that Jacob, uh, you know, obtained some land. Pretty cool. Okay, so do you have any thoughts or any questions on anything in Genesis 48? Um, I just have two quick, like, quick comments. It's like, okay. one, like one, it, well, it's not fun. It, it's a little bit funny to me because with Joseph, it's like he's a, he would, out of the 12 brothers, he would, He's like the eleventh youngest, and yet he gets the firstborn. It's, mm -hmm. it's not. It's not like funny, but it's kind of like if you think about it. He, he's like he's the second youngest of his siblings, 
Ruben's like the oldest. He could be in like his thirties, forties, maybe. Mm-hmm. And and it's like Joseph gets the firstborn blessing. Well, what's the message? Is God the message in this? Is God works outside of man's conviction from outside looking in? The firstborn is the one that should get the blessing, right? Same thing like with with uh, Manasseh. Manasseh, from the outside looking in, should have gotten it, right? But what did he do? He crossed his hands and he blessed Ephraim. <laughs> so, so it's like, so wouldn't it wouldn't it be the firstborn serves the last? Like, well, the the concept is what Jesus said: the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Because because Benjamin's the last one; he's the last brother. Correct, but even in this, Joseph is the is the the firstborn though of Rachel. Ah. Anyway, I don't I don't want to hurt your brain too much with that, but the the bottom line is God works in unconventional ways. Does he do this every time? He does this often. Okay, he does he did this with with like Cain, Abel, does this with Jacob, with Esau. What about with Perez? Remember the hand that came out of Tamar, Perez? And Perez is the one that's going to receive the lineage. And because Joseph receives a double portion, we're going to read tomorrow that in reality, Judah is going to get one of the best blessings. <laughs> I, I, it, it just, I just, I read a little bit ahead. Okay. I, I just saw how it talks about the lion's cub. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so what? Any? What's your next one? You said you had two things. Yeah, this, the, like I personally think that Ephraim and Ephraim, Manasseh and Ephraim, that during like their early twenties, maybe that's just my opinion. Like I think it very well could be. It's like yeah. it's like I think I think during like their young twenties. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's definitely, um, definitely would be a good guess. I'll, I'll put it that way. Because because it, because it talks about how his sons because aren't his sons born while because when it, when his brothers when his brother comes to Egypt to buy stuff isn't didn't it say how his sons are born before then? Mm-hmm. Correct. So you would be correct. So yeah, that's a great opinion. So earlier I said this is episode seventy. How many people came into Egypt? Seventy. Whoa. Well, 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 what do you know? Isn't that interesting? We better end it there, huh? Yeah. All right. All right, folks. Well, those of you that are listening, if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, please let us know. Reach out to Al Pastor or El Taquito. Or El Taquito. We'd be happy to pray with you. Um, talk with you anything that you need. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Al Pastor with Brian Overturf. If you found value in this, please subscribe and get updates. Most places podcasts are available. We're right here on Anchor FM through Spotify. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later.